Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 21st, 2017 and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 6 starting with paragraph 1 which starts with remorse, horror and hopelessness and reading through two paragraphs ending on page 7 with I was 40 pounds underweight. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Dorita P, the 12 traditions, Elaine B. And reading the text and support today is Rachel N M, Gina R and Wendy M and Melanie C will greet some new newcomers for you today. The reference numbers, which are also called share ID numbers when you listen to this by phone, share ID for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting, that would be Wednesday, December 20th, is 10820, And then the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting for today, Thursday, December 21st, is 10823, 10823. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dorita P. to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Melanie. Hi, my name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Dorita P. I will now ask Elaine B. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you for your service, Melanie. This is Elaine B. recovered in Massachusetts. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thanks, Elaine B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book in Bill's story on page 6, starting with paragraph 1, The Remorse, Horror, and Hopelessness, reading through two paragraphs, which ends at the top of page 7 with, I was 40 pounds underweight. And I will ask Rachel and M to open up our reading and discussion. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. This is Rachel and M. I'm grateful for the opportunity to do service today. I'm a, a recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from Ohio. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. 
My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dare cross the street, lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck, for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Jen would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. For mine endured this agony two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I saw escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish I feared I would burst through my window, sash and all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to a lower floor lest I suddenly leap. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next morning found me drinking both gin and sedative. This combination landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity. So did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. Wow. This paragraph, these two paragraphs, explain so vividly the end of myself and my control, my forcing of my own, my my ability to force my own happiness and well-being. I don't think that I got to the place physically that Bill did before I was recovered, but I can relate very closely to the to the horror, the hopelessness, the remorse, um, the suicidal thoughts, the um, dishonesty, thievery, um, the physical and and mental torture, the fear for my sanity. And I love what he says, the mind and the body are marvelous mechanisms. And that is so true. Our bodies have, for those of us, for me, as a compulsive eater and anorexic, it's it's gone through a lot. I've treated it very poorly trying to, to manage my own happiness and um, beauty and it, it didn't work. This is this is the end of my way. And for me, the step three of turning my will and my life over to God was a very scary um, step to take. But when I realized that this was the end of me, and this was where my best um, decision-making was ending, I really had no choice but to turn my life and my will over to God. And I found God to be so tender and gracious with me. He he manages my food and my weight much better than I did myself. I I am I think my complexion is is prettier than it's ever been, and I'm at a healthy weight, and I I fit consistently in my clothes even after having babies. Um, I'm so thankful for what God has done for me, and I pass.
Thank you, Rachel and M. We're now set to take on folks that want to comment on those two paragraphs, page six, Carolina. Reggie. Carolina. Reggie. Wendy M. Carol. Elaine B. Did I hear Carolyn and a Carol? I think I did. Yep, I did. Did I? There's a Carolyn S. Okay. Great. Okay, let's go with that. I have Diane, Diane B. I got you. Diane B. Got you, Diane. Carolyn S., Reggie O., Wendy M., Elaine B., and Diane. Did I miss anybody? Yeah, Tina R. was in there. One more time. What was that? Gina R., is that what you said? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, let's go with that. Carolyn S., Reggie O., Gina R., Wendy M., Elaine B., and Diane. Hi, Carolyn. <clears throat> Hi, this is Carolyn S., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, these paragraphs are so powerful. Um, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. That's absolutely, it encapsulates how I felt after each and every binge um, when I had promised myself so sincerely before that I was never going to pick up again. I was never going to put myself through that misery, um, you know, the physical agony and the self-hatred and the self-loathing. I promised myself I wasn't going to go there again. And then, of course, before I knew it, I was pounding the bar saying, how did this happen again? And um yeah, the courage to do battle was not there. Um, my initial reaction in that situation was always, you know, what's the what's the use? You know, I, I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, before I came into OA, I knew I didn't have another diet in me. I just had tried so many times and failed so many times that I just knew there was no point. Um, and that's kind of how I felt at one point, even in OA, when I had been struggling and, and done the steps a few times and just kept picking up. And um, the fact is, this is the last house on the block. And it's also the best house because once you get to a recovered state, um, life is indescribably wonderful, as they say in the big book. Um, and But you have to go through, or I had to go through this suffering first. Um, I had a terrible sense of impending calamity when I was in the food and I had just binged. There was this sense of, you know, what's coming next? You know, how bad can life get? Um, And then, you know, how did I react to that? I didn't have coping skills. I didn't have a higher power to help me deal with, um, you know, the daily stresses and challenges of life. And so, you know, I binged and my writhing nerves were still to last. And yes, I thought about killing myself many times. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't willing to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. Um, and it says the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony two more years. You know, my, my body endured agony for countless years. And um, I am amazed that today I'm at a healthy body weight and my body works. And, you know, I don't see... Um, the lingering effects of, of the abuse, except, you know, perhaps some looser skin. But um, it's it's amazing to me that my body works as well as it does after all the abuse I put it through. Um, I could also relate to him stealing from his wife's slender purse. Uh, you know, financially, um, we were struggling at the time that I was binging. 
that was part of, you know, the stressors that I was feeling. And, um, but I would go out and, and blow $20 in a day on binge foods. Um, so I was stealing, I was dishonest and I was guilty about it, but I had that terror and madness. It was like, you know, if I don't eat, I'm going to die. I, I have to stuff down these feelings. I have to get that, that numbness again. Um, yeah, and he, he's trying to find escape. And he talks about how the physical and mental torture was so hellish. Um, I didn't try to to kill myself, but I wished myself dead many a time. People feared for my sanity. So did I. Absolutely. Um, I knew how crazy it was to be miserable from eating and yet eat again. You know, to be trying to escape from my problems by compounding them. Um, so I can totally relate to these two paragraphs, and I, I'm so grateful for um, Bill's insights and his ability to translate them onto the page. I mean, he's—I do believe this book is divinely inspired. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carolyn S. Reggie O. And then after that, will be Gina. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you, Melanie, so much for your service this morning. This is Reggie O, and uh, I'm gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. I'm really glad to be here with everybody this morning. And, uh, you know, I, as we were reading this this morning, I felt this deep sadness uh, for myself and for the, oh, there's so many other, Bill, and so many other people who go through this year upon year. You know, he talks about the the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning, unforgettable, and then the rest of it, you know, just that, I mean, I, yeah, I can so, I felt that to my core, because I, you know, I've been there, done that in my own version of it, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, he said, you know, still my, and some somebody, some on my place supplied him with a dozen glasses of ale to still his writhing nerves, you know, and I, for me, it was when I would get to that place of remorse, horror, and hopelessness, not of the next morning, but it would usually be the night when I was just could eat no more. And, um, and, I would, and I would feel that way. And I would imagine, never was I suicidal, but I would imagine how, you know, the only way I could think of to end the horror would be to kill myself and some, you know, some, drastic way, you know, driving my car into a stone wall or into a tree or something like that. Never did it. And I don't think I came close to it. But that was that fantasy was the only thing in my mind that I could think of that would stop that would stop the horror. And, uh, and, you know, and he got to this, this, this was and he went on like this for two more years. And but he had been, I mean, there, there was a lot of really significant drinking and loss and, you know, tragedy for Bill and his wife uh, for many years, you know, for a lot of years before that. And, you know, and this was getting to be, I guess, getting to be, you know, two years before uh, in his last bottom of two years. And it's fascinating. Um, And you said people feared for my sanity, you know, it's interesting that that I, I think now I used to never get the insanity of the disease, you know, coming from somewhat of a clinical background. But as I look back and read this and read Bill's story and think about my own story, I think, you know, boy, the insanity is there all along. It's it's not just, you know, 10 years later or 12 years later, but the insanity of the forgetfulness and the, the insanity of doing the same thing over and over again with great, you know, uh, 
harm to myself, harm to other people, harm to what I, you know, blocking what I could contribute in the world is just amazing. And I was, I was listening to the reading 12 steps and 12 traditions this morning, you know, and the 12th step is, and we had a spiritual awakening, you know, we had a spiritual awakening. There are promises throughout the big book, uh, promises, you know, that, that will take us anyone out of this if you're you know willing to do the work of the steps and god is the ultimate authority and it's finding that you know really giving finding and giving over that power greater than ourselves thank you mel and uh and and we can be relieved of this remorse horror and hopelessness and with that i'll pass thank you very much reggie oh gina r you're next and then uh, wendy will come after you Hey, Mel, thanks so much for your service, and um, hello to everybody on the line, especially the uh, newcomer. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. My um, focus is kind of all over the place on this this morning. Um, Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. You know, I just am seeing myself, you know, in the middle of the night, um, standing there, you know, with the refrigerator open or the cupboard and knowing, I knew in my mind that this stuff was poison. But I was, I, I could almost watch myself take it take it and I I didn't really understand that um, it I was I was in the clutches of this insanity I really didn't understand it I thought I could control this Um, then going back up to the top the remorse horror and hopelessness I would say probably for the last three years of my journey into this madness Every morning I would wake up and I would hear the birds singing outside my window and I would get mad. I would get so upset because I was waking up again and having to listen to these birds and just wondering how in the heck can they do that every morning, have this happy song and doing whatever it is they're doing And I don't want to wake up. I do not want to get up. I do not want to get out of bed. And I I don't know how to do it. Finally, finally. And several pages later, he is going to encapsulate what is going on here with him, where he describes the bedevilments on page 52. I was having trouble with my personal relationships. I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was a prey to misery and depression. Couldn't make a living. I had a feeling of uselessness. I was full of fear. I was unhappy. I couldn't be of help to anybody. And I couldn't understand that there was a power out there who wanted to help me with all these things. This was my jumping off point. I didn't have the mental acuity like him to drag a mattress down down the steps and put it outside my bedroom window. I wasn't that smart. <laughs> But what I was ready for was my calamity coming in on me. And I got that gift of hopelessness. I got that gift of desperation. And I was able to open it. And inside I found a big book and a recovered person who was willing to walk me through it. And then I found the community here. And I am so grateful, so, so grateful. 
with that, I pass. Thank you, Gina R. Wendy M., you're going to go next. And then, Elaine, if you want to get ready after that. Uh, yes, good morning, Wendy M., gratefully recovered in Colorado. Uh, thank you, Melanie, for your service and everybody on the line today. Um, you know, sometimes I just have to stop and go, oh, my God, I'm entirely abstinent, and I have this amazing program. Um, you know what I mean? Like, because I can forget the past. In fact, um, often often I say I don't remember a lot of my life. Um, it was very vague. Like, I'll look at photos and go, really, I went there? Like, I don't remember people. I don't remember places um, because I was in such a food fog. I don't remember my life. And part of my wanting to kill myself was um, that I just didn't want to be here. I wasn't willing to actually take my life, but I just didn't want to be here. And so I just went away all the time. I sought escape and food all the time. The other thing I want to say, um, there's a couple things here that I think are brilliant. I stole from my wife's slender purse. You know, I thank Bill so deeply for his honesty because you know what? When I hear honesty in a room, it invites me to be even more honest. Like the best meetings I go to are the ones where people are just so willing to say things like, I stole from my wife's slender purse, you know, and how desperate is that? And I can really relate um, to that line. You know, it's to me, it's so, for me, it's so pathetic, right? Not in a bad way. It's just desperate. You know, it's like the depth of how bad it gets. Um, and I was a very desperate person, um, I have to say. And, um, and I started this disease, you know, in, in utero. I was a thumb sucker in my mom's um, body. And then the minute I got out, uh, when I could reach for the top floor, it was, I was eating dog biscuits. Like, if there was no carbs or sugar around, I'm going for the dog biscuits, and I'm going, like, often. You know, and from there, it just, it just takes off. It just took off. So, you know, I come here really honestly. And, um, and I guess the thing, um, and then the other piece here that, um, that they saw to escape, and I lived in 17 cities, and I think about 10 years. I think that's right. And, you know, wherever I am, there I go, right? Here I am. Is Boulder, Colorado going to fix me? I don't think so. But. I did, and here's the good news. I did see someone who had that um, joy and um, magic and miracle, and just she just had what I wanted, right? And I told her, you know, I've been slipping and sliding in Overeaters Anonymous. Some of my greatest binges are in Overeaters Anonymous. That's where I did a lot of my eating um, because I was still in the sugar. You know, I'd say it's a granola bar. It's probably protein. And then from there, I had no idea about entire abstinence. I didn't know that having cereal every morning would start triggering the disease. I had no idea, but that's what I was doing. And that's okay. But thank God um, I got desperate enough to ask somebody from Vision to sponsor me about two years ago now. And um, now I remember my life. Everything's, you know, in 3D. Um, and I have so much freedom today. It's, I don't have to seek escape. Um, and then the last thing here, he says he's 40 pounds underweight. I'm like, really? How'd you do it? Like, that's my first thought. All right, thanks. And I pass. Thanks, Wendy. Elaine B., you're next. And then we'll come up with Diane K. Thank you so much for all your faithful service, Melanie. Um, this is Elaine D., recovered in Massachusetts. And, you know, I often express gratitude for this meeting. But, 
you know, this meeting, it's all of you. It's all of your experience, strength, and hope, but it's all based on this little chip of a book that we hold in our hand. And just just a few pages ago, we read, um, I was finished and so were many of my friends. The paper reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. And here he is, not long later, dragging a mattress downstairs. Why? Because he was afraid that he would jump. And you know what? I got all choked up hearing this read this morning, reflecting on this, because what remorse, what hopelessness would I be living in if Bill Wilson did not get a hold of this story? He was the one, he was the salesman, he was the communicator, he was the one that wanted to put this thing in writing. He's the one who did so much of the writing of this book. Had this been passed on hand by hand, oral tradition, who knows how it would have morphed and changed. We love to change it. Most of the, most of the anonymous programs, they've written their own literature. And, um, but this is the key that unlocked the door to an entirely new life for me. And I'm extraordinarily grateful. I remember remorse and hopelessness. I remember days waking up with more than 100 extra pounds on my body, lonely, single, lying in bed, and I had no reason to get up. Waking up with no reason to get out of bed until I thought about food. And that's when I went back to my best friend. I'm so grateful I found OA when I got engaged because I didn't want to wear a size 24 or 26 wedding gown. And I was able to put down the food and work tools and try to work the steps for many years until I faced a serious relapse. And, you know, at that point, just like he said, he was both on sedatives and the bottle. It was like opening Pandora's box, anything I could use to get ease and comfort. And, um, you know, it really impacted my marriage severely. But I was able through uh, desperation of a dying man to grab hold of this little chip of a book in this fellowship, work the steps, and now there's so much to live for. Look what Bill did. Look what this hopeless drunk did, that he's changed so many lives, he's continuing to change them. He became what God created him to be, and so can all of us as we get in touch with the higher power and get the refrigerators, the grocery stores, and the drive throughs <laughs> out from between us. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. Diane Kay, you're next, and then we'll open it up again for shares. Diane K, are you with us still? Or is it Diane something else? Diane B. B. Oh, hi, I'll Diane. Pass. My apologies. I'm, I'll pass. I'm, I'm not well. I have the flu. It's a week, but I'm enjoying the meeting. Thank you. I'll pass. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, let's open it up then for additional folks to share. Who would like to comment Ren on page Hay. six, paragraph one and two? Lauren Hay. Donna W. Donna W. Got you, Moran. Kathleen O. Kathleen. Sherry KB. Sherry. Ramona A. Oh, hi, Ramona. Nice to hear you. Hi. Okay, let's go with that. Moran K. Roz G. Paula D. 
Donna W, Kathleen O, Sherry KB, and Ramona A. Hi, Marin. Hi, Melanie. Hi, everybody on the line. Yeah, uh, Marin K, compulsive overeater, bulimic anorexic. Um, I'm a hardcore compulsive overeater. Um, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. You know, I have that in the morning now, and I don't know why. I, I don't know if I have to give up coffee. I've given up sugar. Um, I only have about five months off sugar, but it's hard for me in the mornings. I live alone, and I wake up, and I'm in fear immediately, so I hit my knees. I read my books, and then after about an hour, I calm down, but I really am all, like, upset in the morning when I wake up. Um, the fact that he, Bill, you know, goes through this part of the the story where he's getting closer to the fact where he, he's understanding that he can't do this anymore, and I know that my binging and purging and my and my overeating was uh, I I was like on the brink and I ended up in a psych hospital. The people did fear for my sanity. I feared for my sanity. So I got better, but I'm, but you know, like Bill, I I was like Bill. I had to keep doing it over and over again until I got the message. And I went to OA and I couldn't get OA until I went into a psych ward. So. Um, what's the point? Um, I don't really know the point other than uh, the, the physical torture, the mental torture of being in the food, the torture of being in any addiction. It, it does make you feel like you want to die and you want to kill yourself because addiction is, is, is bondage. And we, and we know that bondage is not what Bill wants us to have. So Maybe I need to start looking at, like, the areas of my life that I am in bondage and, and look at that as, like, a place where I need to let go. So thanks, everybody on the line, and thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Marin. Roz G., you're next, and then, Paula, you'll come up after Roz. Good morning, Melanie. Um, thank you for your service. My name is Roz G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles County. And... Um, I can relate to this in a few ways by talking about binges I had at Christmas time. Last night I was at a uh, a lady in program, local lady who gives a a potluck every year, and it's kind of famous for its dessert table. There's a round table in the kitchen where everybody puts their desserts, and for many years I used to try, you know, I'd have to try a piece or more of more than one dessert, a few of them. And I remember coming home in the morning feeling so awful because the combination of the different desserts in my stomach just wreaked havoc on my, um, on my gut. And I didn't wake up feeling good after having spent fellowship time with my friends. I felt like crap. And eating so many donuts that just bending over, you know, in the morning, you, you can imagine um, how awful that felt. So the, the strength and the hope is, is that because of the 12 steps and, you know, 
um, throwing up <laughs> all of the resentments, the fears, uh, the selfishness, the self-centeredness. I, and I got rid of all that instead of donuts and cookies. And today, last night, I went to that party and I had one plate of food that was what I could eat, abstinent food. And I was able to look my friends in the eyes and listen to their lives, to what's going on with them. And one of them said, Roz, you look so good. You look great. And I was able to say, thank you. How did you do that? Well, I'm in a, I'm in a, a fellowship. I'm in Overeaters Anonymous. And it was a 12-step group, so, you know, it was okay for me to say that. And today, today, at least these, for these 24 hours in this morning, I woke up sober, um, abstinent, clear-eyed, able to listen to this meeting, able to share experience, strength, and hope. But I know that I, I don't want to get cocky, so I just know that last night it was good for me, and today I'm feeling really abs- good, abstinent, happy, joyous, and free. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Vraz G. Paula D., good morning to you. And then, Donna, you'll come up after Paula. Well, good morning, and thank you, Melanie, for your service today and every day. And here, God, again, we show up. We show up. And uh, this is Paula D., currently in Burr, New Hampshire, and uh, recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, I didn't think I'd make this meeting. I can't tell you how much I enjoy the meetings because I don't get to make many. But, oh, do I take everything out of it. I listen closely. But as I was listening, I was at an eye doctor appointment. Can I tell you a vision for you? The doctor's known me for 20 years. You know what he used to say? Your vision's like a moving target. That's what it is. Depending on how much sugar I ate or consumed, a moving target, your vision... Oh, he had no idea. I couldn't even see life, never mind the boards and the numbers. You know how many years I come in and he says, no prescription change, no prescription change. Can I tell you today, no prescription change. But as I read here, and I'm going to relate it here, should I kill myself? No, not now. Not now. Do you see the resilience here? Oh, you can look at the despair, but look at where it brings him. And he brought us along. Can I tell you, in your disease, you'll bring people along. In your recovery, you'll bring people along. No, not now. And then look at what he says here. Why would this be here? The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. For mine endured this agony two more years, the resilience. There was something in Bill as there is something in each and every one of us. It says it on the back. We tapped an unsuspected an unexpected resource. And then he goes on. And I like this part here. There were flights from the city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. You bring them with you. You bring others with you. But we know the truth. We know the way out. But look at how he ends it. Look at how he ends it. Come here. I would... I feared I would burst through the window sash, and somehow I managed to dra- drag my dry mattress, mattress, my drag my mattress to a lower floor, lest I suddenly leap 
Can you see what happened there? Again? A resilience that he didn't even know he had? You don't know what you have. Next day, found me drinking both gin and sedative, like there was enough. I got to tell you, it says this combination soon landed me on the rocks. Yeah. And there it is. Don't just look at the dismal pot. You need to look, but you don't need to stay, and that's what Bill found out. I'd like to end now. I'd like to end with thank you for this time that was given at closing out, but I'm going to end with the last page here. Oh, you'll read it again, but I can't help it here. Each day my friend's simple talk at our kitchen multiplies itself in a widened circle, and may I wish you all a peace on earth and good goodwill to all men. Thank you for allowing me this time, and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Donna W., you're next. Hi, this is Donna W. calling from Palo Alto, California, and I'm a compulsive eater and gratefully recovered for today. And I'm hoping to see uh, many of you at the OA birthday party in just a couple weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm really grateful to be recovered for today and grateful to be on the call. And the, you know, the remorse of the next morning, I can't tell you how many times I, I had that, you know, and I would wake up with the high resolve that, okay, that's the last time. I'm not going to do this again. And I'd be in such agony, um, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually, that, you know, all I knew how to do was to soothe, my, soothe myself with food. And, you know, as Bill does, he has the sedative and the gin because that's what he knows. And, um, you know, something from the, the, at the call yesterday about the, the high resolve, you know, I, I'm a strong, independent woman, and I have high resolve. And then when I you know, went back to the food, the damage that would do to me and my, my, you know, my self-esteem and the shame I would feel because I couldn't manage this myself. And then I felt so crappy that, oh, well, I might, might as well eat. So, you know, might as well get good and drunk and uh, eat the rest of it, you know, eat the rest of the bag, eat the whole box, you know. So um, I'm just so grateful today I don't have to do that, that I do have a reprieve, that I have a higher power to bring me some ease and comfort, and, um, you know, that uh, that I can see the insanity I have because, um, you know, I just thought food was the answer. Oh, I have a stomach ache. I better eat. Oh, um, I'm overly full. <laughs> I better eat. Oh, I'm happy. I better eat. Oh, I'm sad. I better eat. Whatever was going on. That was my solution. So I'm gra- so grateful to have a uh, more tools in my toolbox today and to know that um, you know food is here to nourish me and I'm you know praying to enjoy my food and to be safe with food and then to have space between my meals to live my life and feel my feelings and with that attack thank you thank you Donna W Kathleen O and then Sherry KB good morning thank you Melanie this is Kathleen O recovered compulsive overeater in California and so should I kill myself? And then his next thought is the gin will fix that. And, you know, for me, death was a step up from the misery and the hopelessness that I felt around this disease. And like Bill, my pain showed no mercy, um, but it also had no memory. And, you know, so why does Bill go to the gin? He goes to the gin for the ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a drink. And I did the same thing over and over and over. Um, You know, the real problem is in his mind. 
and his mind will always give him the option to pick up and give him the reason to pick up. And my mind did that all the time. It was a vicious cycle. You know, this is a twofold disease. If all Bill had was an allergy or all I had was an allergy to certain foods, I'd easily be able to stop eating those certain foods. But it's the mental obsession of the mind. You know, tomorrow, you know, I'm going to be okay and I'll, I'll, I'll stop eating tomorrow and, you know, everything will be okay. And, you know, why does my mind always tell me I'm okay when I was never okay? I mean, I'd always believe it once more that I'd be okay, even though hundreds of times I had proven I wasn't okay. You know, it's, and I'd take the bite and I wouldn't be able to stop. I wouldn't be okay. So, you know, once again, my mind lied and I believed it. And the, the remorse, the horror, the hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. I remember that so well. I can remember it like it's yesterday. And I've been in recovery for, gosh, 13 years now, but, and not, not done, you know, gone on binges, binges or eaten like that, like I used to. But I can still remember like it was yesterday, what it felt like to wake up and feel, <clears throat> you know, 70 pounds overweight. Um, feeling fat, feeling disgusted with myself, feeling that dread of, you know, God, just let me die. You know, this is a horrible feeling. So, you know, despite the necessity, despite the wish, you know, Bill made a vow he wouldn't drink again. And lo and behold, he comes drunk again. Um, This is baffling and cunning. And, you know, it's like until I did these steps and worked this program, um, I didn't get any relief. And following this program, you'll get relief. Thank you, Melanie. I pass. Thank you, Kathleen. Sherry KB, you got a couple of minutes? Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thanks so much for your service, Melanie, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. And the remorse, horror, and hopelessness uh, the next morning. Um, That so reminds me of feeling so... uh, just remorseful and horror at what I'd done the day before, the night before of all the food that I ate and how terrible I felt and that sense of impending calamity if I didn't get to the store and get enough food um, to fill me up for for how badly I felt. I just kept piling on the food to make myself feel better when I really felt worse. Um, When things were bothering me or, you know, I, I ate at everything. I ate at my marriage. I ate at so many things. I ate at my life is what I did. And so... What I would do is just, uh, you know, my mental my mental twist and mental blank spot would get together and tell me it would be different this time, and I would go back into getting the, the food and go into oblivion. And, you know, it's interesting. I've heard people saying, you know, I, I wanted to, to die. I mean, I wish I were dead, but I didn't want to die. I mean, it's really interesting how I do that, um, when, you know, because I feel, feel so bad about what I was eating and how much I was eating. And I was a volume eater. I mean, I ate a lot of quantities um, of food. And, you know, I remember even as a kid stealing money uh, from my family to buy food um, because they wouldn't give me what I wanted for the food. So I would go and steal it and get it. Um, And I just so remember cursing myself for a weakling. And and the the physical and mental torture, uh, it was hellish because my stomach hurt so bad from how much I ate. and, you know, and that mental anguish of what is wrong with me. And just I was always judging myself, always trying to fix myself with the food. Um, I thought I could fix everybody else around me, but I couldn't fix myself because how I tried to do it was with the food. 
And um, I can just relate to this. Um, and it's so important to identify in um, to, to the insanity of how Bill, Bill felt and, and thought and um, drank is how I felt, thought, and ate. Um, and I, I'm just so grateful for this, for this program, the 12 Steps, because that's the answer is the 12 Steps. It's a spiritual malady, and it only can be, um, you know, Time. the solution is, um, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. And that leaves us up with uh, Ramona A. to end out our sharing time today. Hi, Ramona. Got a couple of minutes for you, madam. Hi, this is Ramona. Did Can you hear me? I can. Yes, thanks. Hi, welcome. You have a couple of minutes, it looks like, to take us to the top. Okay. Just Thank you. Um, so I... Thank everyone who gives service to make these meetings happen, and I know that I need to be part of it. I I listen, sometimes I talk, and I think it's yesterday I felt, well, I needed to even participate more, but I, my eating was, has been forever, and I know in the late 80s that I got into OA and, uh, you know, worked the steps and everything was fine. And then a few years later, left the rooms and had a seven-year relapse and gained so much weight. I was ashamed that to go back to OA. So went to a, another weight loss program, which got the weight off, but I started eating again. It didn't heal anything else. So I said, I've got to come back to OA. And did find abstinence, but it was, you know, a little iffy for a few years. And I found this uh, friend sent me here, and it is wonderful. I did the steps with the big book for the first time and, you know, became recovered. And it's just a wonderful place to be. So for anyone who's looking for a solution, you know, who may be on the line, this is it. You know, your higher power and work the steps. So thanks, and wonderful holiday season to people. Bye. Well, thank you, Ramona A. Thank you very much. And that does take us right to the close of this recorded portion of our meeting. But stay tuned. We have more meeting yet to go after it's not recorded. So don't want you to miss any part of it whatsoever. But thank you to everyone that shared today, especially Team Thursday for sure, and everyone else that gave so much from their hearts today in their experience, strength, and hope. We will now close this portion of our meeting with reading the big book, on page 164, and then we'll follow that with a serenity prayer, if you would, with me, please. Will Gina R. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I will, happily. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.